This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicky Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Today on the podcast, I'm really excited to speak to Cara Benden. Cara is a branding consultant. She's been on the podcast before. Cara joined me in episode 80, which ironically is before this podcast was rebranded. And we spoke on the episode about a lot of the visual elements that make up your branding. So if you haven't listened to that episode already, so that's episode 80, I think it'd be great if you could pause now and go back and listen to that because today very much builds on what we spoke about in that episode. So that episode was a lot about the visual things, so the parts of your brand that people see. And today we're talking a lot about the things that lie beneath the surface um, and the things that aren't so visible. So like brand values, how you tell the story of your brand, what the customer experience is like, all those kinds of things. So it's a great conversation and we share loads of examples. Hopefully this will be one that really gets you thinking about what you could do differently with your brand. And I would love now to introduce you to Cara. So hi Cara, thank you for joining me again. Uh, Hi, I'm so pleased to be back. Thanks for inviting me. So hopefully everyone has already listened to your previous episode, but just in case, or and it was a while ago now, can you just remind us of who you are and what you do, please? Yes, absolutely. So my name's Cara and I run a small agency uh, called the Cara Benton Brand Consultancy, where I offer uh, branding for uh, product businesses, specifically those who are quite ambitious and uh, they have a vision for their brand. They've created something quite innovative and they want to see it out there in the world. Brilliant. Thank you. So today is definitely going to be a progression from what we spoke about last time. But the one thing I would like you to recap on, if you don't mind, Cara, is why a strong brand is so important. Absolutely. Well, um, today's topic also covers elements that contribute to a strong brand. But the other episode is a really good starting point because the two just can't exist in without harmony between them so the visual elements of a brand tell the story of everything underneath and the brand foundation and that's what we're going to be talking about a bit today but essentially your brand is your first impression it's how people perceive you in the world so it's really important it's really interesting you said that there's lots more than the visual the visible elements so that's really cool well, let's talk about that a bit later because I'd like to dive into that um The first thing I'd like to ask you about, Cara, is I know that you talk about something called the five W's. Do you want to Mm -hmm. tell us what they are and how they inform and make up your brand? 
Absolutely. So one of my principles in my business is about simplifying branding and not using too much jargon and making it complicated because honestly, I don't believe it is. At the heart of branding, it's about creating a connection with a human. And in the case of small businesses, it's, you know, it's a very human to human connection. Um, so the, the five W's, you know, are often used in other um, situations. And so I thought it was a helpful framework to, for people to think about their brand uh, foundation. So that would just be who, what, why, where, and when. So in the case of your brand, it's it's making clear that people can understand who are you. So your story, the founder, uh, what do you sell? It sounds obvious, but it needs to be immediately apparent and clear to people across your communications, your website, your brand. Um, why should I buy from you? And that is one that's really loaded with meaning that we'll, we'll extrapolate on a little bit when we talk about brand values. But that's really about, you know, making your brand compelling to consumers for specific reasons. Um, uh, where can I get it? Um, that's obviously more like a call to action. And then when could be, you know, when is this relevant for me? So I find that quite interesting when you think about when is your product relevant to someone in their life that's interesting in terms of it forms your your tone of voice your language that you use the content you put out but also the point at which you market to people um you know for example if you had a nutritional supplement that was really good for women in pregnancy you would need to think about exactly when it's right to you know to um meet your audience with that message how to meet your audience at the point that they're at is it that you start you know much earlier or you know um for example if you were just to put up adverts in nurseries it could be a little bit late for that particular baby you know so it's thinking about that um and when can i get it uh so the other side of when could just be you know for online consumers especially the when can i get it can actually become quite an important part of your brand. I mean, even if, if we look at Amazon, that was one of the USPs that they had, you know, 15, 20 years ago when e-commerce was much newer, it was that you could get these books and you could get them within a, a two, three days, um, sometimes 24 hours and, and with Prime, you know, that's their promise. So that can in, it, in itself become a, a core part of your brand. Thank you so much for explaining all of that. I think there's really good questions to maybe ask yourself if you're thinking about your brand and all that goes into it. You mentioned earlier, Cara, that there's a lot more about the brand than what we see. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and what you mean? Because in the last episode, we spoke a lot about the visual things. We spoke about colours and logos and all of that. So what are the areas that are underneath the surface that we as consumers may not see, um, but as brands, we need to be thinking about. Absolutely. So branding is actually only the visible component of everything your brand is. Um, so in terms of the branding, we often think sometimes we confuse it with being brand and we say, oh, I've got a logo, I've got some colors, so I've got my brand done. But actually, if we haven't got those uh, in understanding of our USP, the story the, behind the business, the values, then actually that branding is going to be relatively generic and not as powerful. So by combining the two together, you have a much more strong, you have a strong brand foundation. 
Um, so one of the things I like to say is that your logo is a little like your signature. So your signature is really important. It's something that's used on legal documents. You might use it on your credit card. It is, to all intents and purposes, a legal representation of your approval. But it isn't you. It's just a small bit of handwriting that may be quite hard for people to read depending on your handwriting. It's not all of you. And that's the same with your logo. It's really important. It's a recognizable thing that people will, you know, gain brand awareness and be able to identify from afar in many different situations. However, it's not all of your brand. And if you lean too much on just having a logo, then you risk not really having that strong brand. So the other visual elements of branding are your website, your packaging. Maybe you have certain brand textures or elements or shapes. You might have a bespoke brand pattern. Uh, you might have a tagline for which your brand is connected or famous for. Um, and, you know, it might be then that might show up in things like your social media, your website, your packaging, your business cards, etc. Um, but all of that is your branding and it needs to reflect the invisible element. So if we were to think of this as an iceberg, all of that is what's visible and it should go to represent everything under the water, which is your brand values, your tone of voice, your positioning in the market. So by that, it's like whether you're luxury, whether you're mid premium, whether you are super affordable, whether you're fair trade, you know, where you position yourself in the market, um, how that relates to your product prices, your audience. It's like I said before, it's your founder story. And I'm particularly keen on that. Uh, you know, why did your business come into being in the first place? What problem was it that you were trying to solve? Because that's an incredibly compelling part of the brand's um, piece. Um, and another thing that I would include in that iceberg is actually your customer service and the customer experience that they have with you, because that whole experience is going to be reflective of your brand in terms of reputation and word of mouth. But it's absolutely nothing to do with your color choices or logo. So um, as you can see, it's like the, the, the elements on the top should reflect everything underneath. So if you had a brand that, you know, it was key to your brand to want to bring joy to people's lives, then you might have like brightly colored, playful uh, graphics that would that would make sense for that value. That makes sense. Thank you so much. And you've you've mentioned so many things there that I'd love to dig into a bit deeper. Um, and I think what you're saying, and, and tell me if I've misunderstood, is that if you know what your brand is, who your customers are, so as you say, whether you're a brand that brings joy or you're a brand that supports people through tough times or whatever it is, I guess that then can inform the visual elements of your brand. Because let's say you are, a, in the example you just gave, if you're a brand and you that wants to bring joy to people, you probably wouldn't have a very dark, somber visual appearance. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on the flip side, if you wanted to be a brand that was all about luxury, then perhaps you would choose dark colors and you might have sort of metallic elements or traditional serif fonts, uh, you know, something to create a sense of, like if you were, a, you know, yeah, a luxury brand, you might model it a little after some hotels where they're quite aspirational and a little bit moody and maybe a bit seductive. Um, and it's got to suit your brand. And yeah, exactly. It relates to those values 
positioning and brand personality. That makes a lot of sense. And as we're talking, I'm kind of reflecting on everything you're saying, and it's making me think about times where I've definitely seen brands or websites in particular. I think I've seen this on websites where the visuals don't feel like they match with the products or the, or the, you know, what the person is selling or maybe how they're doing it. And I can't think of an example, even if I did, I wouldn't want to share because that would be really unkind. But <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've definitely had that experience where I've gone onto a site and there's felt a little bit of a, a disconnect between maybe the yeah the, the products it's, it's, it's many products where I've seen it where I've seen products and then I look at the overall branding on this website for example and I feel like oh this kind of jars a little bit and I'm wondering if this is an example of where maybe the visual elements have come first um ahead yeah, of it the rest of the business it could be, or it could also be that trap that sometimes people fall into of thinking that professionalism can't allow for brand expression, that personality, that in order to look, you know, that, that, that things have to look a certain way. And obviously professionalism of your branding is, is one thing, but it looking a certain way is actually the opposite of that, because then that just means everything looks the same. It's very generic and it doesn't say anything specific. Um, you know, I'm all about getting to the heart of the business and, and trying to communicate that. And actually, it it, um, it reminds me, you and I were both at um, a trade show and we saw the Positive Planner guys and their brand, I think, really conveys their values so well. Um, you know, they always have these bright colours and it's a, it's a relatively serious subject matter, you know, mental health. But they're all about, you know, and, and they're not about toxic positivity, but they are about um being uplifting and bringing joy into your life. So all of their cut, their product range is really bright colors. And even when we saw them in person, they were both in, in um, jumpsuits with yellow converse, weren't they? And that was just a, like a subtle nod to the bright yellow of their brand. They were perfectly on brand as well. They were really cheerful. And, you know, so it was an embodiment of those values that came through those colors in their brand. Yeah, I you know I remember that experience as well because um I well I still it was really memorable for me because partly how they were dressed but also like you said they really embodied their brand and they guessed I don't know it felt to me it felt really off what they were selling felt really authentic because of how they came across um so I think that is a really good example because I do remember speaking with them and it kind of made total sense what they were selling and why and it and also when we will talk about this in in a moment but they were talking to us maybe you remember about the story of the brand as well and um I think that can really help connect can't it if you know the story of a founder and of a brand that can really help you as a customer sort of get it absolutely I think that's one of the most powerful things I think that understanding somebody's journey and and then you know why they create a product it makes it so much more memorable and it makes it more it makes it a more interesting option than others if you have um, alternative options for a given thing so I met um, a lady um, I've forgotten her name right now unfortunately but uh, founder of a business called zip it zip us in and um, at an event and what it was is that she, when she was pregnant, she was pregnant through the winter and didn't want to buy a special maternity or extra large winter coat when she, you know, that's not in line with her values of 
having a more casual wardrobe, buying things that you're going to wear for years, not just having throwaway items. Um, and so she devised this um, insert that could just be uh, clipped in and it extends the, the coat so that um, around your stomach or afterwards, if you are, are wearing the baby in a carrier. Um, and for me, it's like, it's those stories, you see them a lot on, you know, Dragon's Den and shows like that, that really stick in your mind and make you remember that. And that, you know, that's a business I, you know, have very much kept in my mind uh, for that reason. Absolutely. That's the whole point of this podcast really is that I love hearing founder stories because everyone has a story, even if they think they don't. Um, And I think there's something just nice about kind of knowing who the founder is and having a a face to that person. Um, You and I were talking recently about a brand and we don't need to name the brand where we were saying it felt quite strange that we don't know much about them and Mm -hmm. why the product came into existence and who, who's actually behind it. And um, it, and yeah, and that for me, I don't know, it's um, the, it's a product that I love, but I feel like I can't get behind the brand because I don't know who they are. I know what you mean. I was, yes, that specific one. I was, I was looking everywhere for some personal story on the about page and the about page just had some, you know, very relevant information for the audience, but I just couldn't get a sense of the origin story who had created this product. Because as you say, it's a really clever product. So I think that, yeah, the story is a key part of it. And what about brand values? I mean, um, how do they play in and how do how yeah so talk about how and why they're important and also how we might share them as well well absolutely so I think brand values have always been an important piece but actually the way things are going it's gaining momentum and becoming even more crucial um I think I actually I have some stats from a report but it's from 2019 and that's pre-pandemic so I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually increased but um, at that time 72% of consumers would um, decide whether to buy from a brand based on their values Um, and I think the pandemic had no small effect on our sense of um, disconnection from the world that then increased our desire to feel that we had a human connection through you know the brands we buy from it was a time where all our interactions were turned on their head and well basically diminished and but our behaviors were turned on their head and we were you know e-commerce was the only kind of shopping and we also saw a rise in in makers and creators and entrepreneurs in that time being resourceful and inventive with solutions so we have a one a, you know at the same time, a, a, a great increase in entrepreneurialism and small businesses at the same time as a desire to have more human connection and maybe buy from businesses that have more of a personal story, more independent, more ethical, uh, more values led. Um, so the values now, it's, it's, it's something you can't really escape. The big boys are being held to account when they greenwash, when they put out statements, when they support International Women's Day with graphics, but not with actions. You know, people see through that now. But one thing that I've always noticed is that the small business landscape, independent businesses, especially really small companies, are absolutely leading the way with being values led um, and, um, yeah, authentic in that way. 
So yeah, you see these businesses being sustainable from the word go. You see them supporting, um, you know, different types of people, accessibility from the word go instead of just putting across a, a blanket statement about their, their action towards this, like some of the bigger companies do. And, um, you know, basically today's consumer wants to know that their money is making a difference in the world, wants to know that they're supporting companies that, you know, are ethically good or at least aren't corrupt. And, you know, it, basically the landscape of our world now, we, we, we vote with our wallets. That makes sense. And I think what's interesting about what you're saying is I think it's much more about what you do than what you say as well. And that's something I just picked up on because you're right. There has been, you know, it feels like every other week there's another greenwashing story in the press. Don't shop here because they say this, that they do that. But I think what you do is almost more powerful than what you say. So I don't think this is necessarily about having a page on your website that says these are our brand values because you can kind of show what your values are for your actions. And I think that's always almost more powerful so for example, I recently shopped somewhere and then after I placed the order, I got an email that said, thank you for your order. We've planted one tree. Um, yeah. Because, and I hadn't actually seen on the website that they did that possibly, quite possibly yeah. it said that, but it wasn't immediately obvious. But when I got the email saying about the tree, I was like, oh, I was, I felt quite happy. And I thought that was a nice, yeah. And it felt that kind of gave me an impression of the kind of company that they were. Absolutely. No, I, I, I completely agree. That's really nice. Um, and yes, my opinion is that a value is nothing without a commitment. So um, I always challenge my clients if we're, if we're doing some values work that they think about how they, how they are committing or can commit to that, what action they can take. But, you know, I think for small businesses as well, it's not like the onus is on you to completely change the world. You've also, you know, you've got to make money Um but it's like it's how you do that in a way that is true to your values is really important. Um, so sustainability is one that, you know, is really high on the agenda at the moment. And, you know, it's it's very important to me as well. But um, it, that's, you know, it, it, it that's getting all of the attention, as it were. But your values can also um, contain things that are quite specific to you. And I think that's actually a place that brands can stand out a bit as well, because if they have these values, for example, it might be um, that, um, you know, they want the, the, the founder story relates to mental health and their, their value is to always, you know, support mental health of their team. And then their action is that anybody can call on the morning of a day they're supposed to work and say I need a mental health day or whatever it might be you know rather than just uh lip service to it if that's if that's something that they could do through their business or if it's a one-man band and that's the commitment then you know it's it's about being true to that in in terms of okay it might be um uh charitable contributions to you know a charity that would support mental health but it also could be about having a pillar of content that shares things about mental health um you know and encourages that as as something within the brand itself within other posts such as you know self-care or meditation or movement because actually it doesn't always have to be oh right you know who do I write a check for in order to prove this value it's about how are you bringing this through to your community and your audience that's actually just as valuable 
Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about this sort of knowing we were going to speak and I was trying to think of some examples because I, I like to shop with small businesses and I do shop with small businesses. And a few things that I've seen sort of recently is um, businesses that sort of commit to only sending orders in um, recyclable packaging, for example. And that's it feels like a small thing, but it kind of demonstrates their values or or companies that have excellent customer service where you yeah. send an email and then you get um you know, you you get a reply back within an hour. I mean, you don't need to reply that soon, but you know what I mean? You get a personalized yeah. reply that's really nice. Or I shopped them somewhere recently and they put a little like chocolate bunny in with my no, order. So it's so a really sweet. small thing, but yeah. it just gives you as a customer a really nice feeling about that brand. Um, and I'm sure you've got tons more examples, Carver. So can we talk a little bit about that, about how you can stand out and make your customers feel as happy as I did when I got a chocolate bunny in the post? <laughs> well, I think everyone should chocolate bunny in every package but yeah well I think that even things like that email about the trees being planted was a good way of doing that because and and I've always liked Etsy that they their packaging said that your um delivery hit was offset and that's nice um I mean go back to you know the values just briefly something um that occurred to me is that if so certain small businesses may have certain days that they that they ship things and that may seem very contrary to our you know um convenience um society where we want things as soon as possible but if it's very clear clear in the brand why they do it and say it was to reduce carbon emissions with trips to somewhere that they could post them or whatever or even if it was you know to save on uh, man hours because it's somebody and they are balancing it alongside something else or their mental health then if it was communicated clearly I think that people would come to respect that and understand that from the brand um but moving back to uh, chocolate bunnies um I, I think that is a guaranteed win but I think that any little thing that brings a little bit of charm and it's funny you said chocolate bunnies actually because I actually call these like easter eggs as in that term that you'd have for um for uh, films where it's little things that are like secret um, in jokes as it were except that they're not in jokes they're something where you're bringing a little bit of your brand to life with your customer you're having a little bit more connection because um you know the relationship between brand and consumer only grows with more connections so you know it's little things like um I, I've had packaging where um, the tone of voice on it's been really amusing uh, rather than sort of uh, having a load of access information, uh, you know, um, it, or it, it, it's, it's provided the information that's required, but in a, in a way that was a little bit more um, humorous. That's been quite fun. Sometimes you see it when you pick up an item and underneath it says something like nothing to see here, <laughs> you know, and it's um, and actually I love um, tip tree jams. It's just such a small thing, but they're minis. Um, you get them sometimes when you go to hotels and stuff and they all have sweet messages underneath um, it's the things like, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly. I can't actually remember the, the message I last got, but they're always quite sweet, uplifting things. And that's just nice. It's like a complete added and unexpected extra. Nobody would look at the market of, of condiments and say, right, jams. In order to be a professional jam brand, we clearly, you know, this is a requirement. It's just something extra that they've done. They've associated breakfast or jam, you know, maybe you have jam on toast or scones. They've, they've associated that with a little moment of joy, a moment 
different for yourself and they've played into that with a message. I also, um, a previous uh, guest on your podcast uh, was Be Greater um, Shoes, the Barefoot uh, Kids Shoes. And I, well, I love listening to your podcast and discovering brands. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> but um, I loved when when um, uh, I was listening to that interview, um, what he was describing that he'd put a smiley face in the center of the, of the insole of the shoes. Um, and it was half a smiley face in each shoe. Now, for me, I was already sold. I was like, I love it. It's cheerful. It's unexpected. It doesn't affect the product in any negative way. It only brings a little bit of private joy um which is lovely but then when i understood the reason i was even more sold and the reason is that um it's to encourage your children to independently be able to put their shoes on the right feet because the you know the left and the right would join together to make a smile so when you're laying out your shoes the child would be able to tell whether they were the right way around because the smile would be formed or it wouldn't and um I, I thought that was great. I thought not only is that something that's bringing a little bit of charm, it's actually adding value to that product. It gives it a little bit more practicality and, and, and it's a real USP for them. I really love that too. Um, and I, anything, I think any little added thing, particularly when it doesn't necessarily have to cost you as a brand or be a big inconvenience so another shoe related example this is actually a bigger brand but I bought my daughter some new school shoes and they actually came in a box and the box was had like some sort of sea life patterns all over just the you know the standard cardboard box you get shoes yeah. in and it was designed for the child to then color and then use to you know put toys in or do whatever they wanted to do with and I just thought that was so clever because it encourages you to keep the box rather than just recycle it immediately you know if, if your child loves coloring or maybe I like coloring actually um it's quite a fun thing to have I just thought that was a really nice thing that probably didn't cost them any more to produce than producing the standard box with the logo on but it was just like a really nice little extra and I think as a customer it's always lovely when you get something unexpected and it doesn't have to be a physical thing it's like you say even like a little message or something that just mm. just anything that makes you smile really yeah, absolutely. So um, I, in our last uh, conversation, we spoke about um, the unboxing experience a little, and we actually spoke about Beauty Pie and how they were ones that did that really well in terms of providing that experience. But also, I, you know, they are a quite big company and there's lots of smaller companies doing great stuff as well. And one thing that, you know, in terms of the sustainability angle, something I've been giving a lot of thought to is how can you provide the unboxing experience, but still be true to that sustainability value. And, um, you know, I think that reusing the box is one of the best ways to do that. However, if it's, if it's covered in branding, you're unlikely to do that, even if it's a fairly sturdy box in a nice color. I know I'm not as inclined to, I mean, I might put my Christmas decorations in it, but I'm probably not as likely to have it on display. Um, I love that example you gave because it's actually, it comes from a value. It comes from the value of sustainability and wanting people to reuse the box. It actually um, will probably help create um, extend their brand awareness because you keep the box in the house and it gave you a good customer experience so you're more likely to tell people about it or shop for a similar product from them again 
Um, but also the fact that it was coloring in, you know, now, obviously, because that was a kid's product, that makes sense because it was like, oh, you know, it's a fun activity for children to do. It's almost it provides an activity. So the parents happy. It gives the child something to do for half an hour or whatever. But you know, there's many other ways you could you could bring that in, like, for example, a, a brand who had mindfulness or well-being as a goal could do something similar on a smaller scale. And, and, and that could be nice. Um, but I think just basically, I think workshopping it and brainstorming is the way because trying to just think what how could I do this better how could I do this differently what's brought me joy in the past what works for our customer and our audience and not just doing something just because you heard it from another brand and it sounded cool because the, the you know the opposite of that is just getting a load of paper a load of inserts when you order something and then actually feeling quite bad because well, if you're like me, you put them in a drawer for a week because you think, oh, I'll read those next time I have a coffee. And then you realize life just doesn't give you the time for that kind of thing. And they go in the recycling and then you feel bad. So it's like, you know, obviously you have to have some, but it's not just shoving a load of extra stuff in there for the sake of it. It's about thinking what works for your customer and your brand. I think you're right, because also if you're just copying what someone else is doing, but there's no meaning behind it, I guess it could also feel quite inauthentic. And I, yeah. again, I can't think of a good example of this now, but I've definitely had experiences where something hasn't felt quite right. And I think that is an instance. And I've, to be honest, I've never had this with a small business. It's mainly been with bigger businesses where they, I guess they've been kind of trying to emulate something they've seen small businesses do, but it doesn't work on that scale. It doesn't feel in line with the brand does that make sense I wish I could think of a good example of that but do you kind of know what I mean yeah definitely definitely I think that a consumer can sense if a brand is just trying to do what they expect what they what they feel is expected um and you know especially for product business owners, you know, you're uh, entrepreneurs most of the time. And I find that incredibly inspiring. If you're coming up with a product or a way of doing things that is better or different um, to how it has been done before, then that's incredibly um, entrepreneurial. And you can use that mindset to also approach the rest, everything about your business. And it will, it will actually strengthen the brand. Um, so it's like if you're inventive about your product and then, you know, you carry that through, it's 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 being disruptive and saying, OK, what are the norms and how could I do this differently? And just to clarify, this is very much going above and beyond. I'm not saying that everyone needs to constantly disrupt at every level. But if you can disrupt in the way that you send things, your you know, any part of the customer journey that in a way that relates to, you know, uh, your brand values, your brand personality and your audience, then it's going to really help you stand out and be remembered. It's going to make a big impression. You're right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a big thing either, does it? So we're not trying to say that everyone listening needs to go away and completely change all aspects of their business. But it might even be, yes, yeah, switching to recycled packaging or having packaging in your brand colors because that's something you can do I think it could be something really really tiny um but I think it's well, just I, thinking about what represents you and your brand I think it's a really good exercise to pretend you're a customer and buy your product um because um if that's possible for you but um 
I think that because say you've been in business six months or you've been in business six years. Um, I don't know where the figure six came from, by the way. But anyway, if you you um, to some extent, you might have disconnected from what the user experience is. And um, if, if yeah, if that's the case, I mean, you can either get someone else to do it. If you can do it, that might be helpful as long as you can just uh, be as objective as possible and just see. And I mean, I, I do it sometimes. I, I you know, uh, just to see how people come across my website and things like that. You can see what one improvement could you make along that journey could you make things a little bit less um you know, could you take a little point of friction out of the customer journey in buying with you could you add a little bit of charm somewhere along there could you know is, is there a brand value that you could consolidate for yourself so that you know what it is that you could try and bring into your brand if you you know it's all about incremental uh, changes and progress. And if you were able to do that much, then you'd be making a huge, huge improvement. I think that's such a great idea because it's, it's possibly things all of us completely overlook. So as an example of that, years ago when I had my own products business and I had a Shopify site, when someone placed an order with me, they would obviously get the email saying, thank you for your order, whatever it was. And one one time a customer got that email and they replied to me, um, and maybe they had a question or something. And it was only when they replied, I realized how dull the email was that they got because I'd never gone in and edited the template. This is such a small thing but it was the email was something you know very it didn't sound like me it was just thank you for your order we'll let you know and it's whatever it was and yeah. as soon as I realized I just updated that with a personal email that said hi thanks fine whatever I put and put my name on it and that kind of thing and interestingly after I did that I started getting so many more replies to those emails oh. um just That's from people so saying yeah it was I found it really fascinating that people were taking the time I actually got some emails that just said thanks for, you know thank you for this nice email and I was like oh, oh that's so interesting and I completely overlooked that that was something that I could impact it wasn't and it was something I never exactly. thought about didn't no. even realize um so I think that's a great that's idea that's it I absolutely just go through the process and just even put it in your own tone of voice your own brand colors and you know I've been guilty of this, you know, so I'm a service business, but I have a template shop and that's relatively new for my business. And I didn't realize that I had the same thing. I had some fairly generic looking pages for checkout. And, you know, these things are relatively limited. I know that with Shopify and many other sites, you, you've got to live within the rules. It's upload a logo here, choose the color here, and that's it, you know. But whether wherever there's text and wherever that text is editable, that's an opportunity to bring in a little bit of brand personality a bit of tone of voice I mean you could if you wanted even at that point have a little bit about your business and you know why that receiving that order helps or you know a little bit of brand story something like that I mean I know that's after the event that they've bought but if if that isn't something that you think has been communicated enough before then why not offer it then um but yeah, so basically, yeah, just looking through and seeing where there's an opportunity to, to be more human in the process. I think that's great advice. I think that being human is really important and it really does help. Um, to give another example, if you don't mind, is that when I obviously help lots of people selling on Amazon and years ago, because this isn't something you can do now, years ago, you used to be able to get some software that integrated with Amazon so that when a customer brought 
from you, they would get an email that was from you. So as well as getting the Amazon, thank you for your order, they would also get thank you for buying for my small business. Um, This is who I am. If you have any problems, let me know. What I found really interesting is with my clients who implemented this kind of email system, their return rate started going down because the customer then had a point of contact to go back to and say, my order hasn't arrived or it's arrived, but this is the problem. Can you help me? So whereas previously they might have just gone onto Amazon and left a bad review, they were actually reaching out to the business because they then had that point of contact and explaining what their issues were. And then most of the time the business could then solve that issue and it just prevented them getting a negative review or or a return. And I found that super interesting. And I think it was just because, and I think this is sort of thing to think about if you're selling, even if you're selling on a platform like Amazon or Etsy or somewhere else, there's still plenty of opportunity to kind of get across who you are and a bit about your business. So it's not so faceless because I feel like if it feels faceless, you are more likely to perhaps leave a ruthless review, maybe. That is exactly right. No, but that's what I was thinking when you were saying that. I think that's fascinating, but that's exactly it. I think that people, um, um, you know, there's no emotive connection with a faceless corporation. So you buy from Amazon, you don't feel anything for, for, you know, ordering too many and then returning lots or whatever it might be because they're Amazon you you've seen in the news about them they can take the losses they can take the hits whatever but as soon as it becomes a small business that's you know operating a a leg of their business through Amazon um, then it's human and not only have you as you said they can actually get in touch if it's a practical issue but I think I wouldn't be surprised if the returns rates decreased because it felt more like a real person behind the business and then you know felt more like yeah not as disposable I think so and I know we've spoken on projects that we've worked on together we've definitely spoken about encouraging brands to actually put a bit about their business on there maybe even a photograph of themselves just so Mm -hmm. that people can see um I mean as you you will have seen on Amazon now you do get if you have a small business you do have a small business logo someone knows they're buying from a small business but you can take it that step further you can add your brand story you can add a photograph of yourself you can give that background um and that's something you've been able to do for a while um I've certainly been encouraging clients to do this for a really long time because I think it is that important that if you are on a marketplace like that where you could get lost among all the other people selling similar products I think that's a that's kind of a place where it's really important to make an effort to stand out definitely and and if you you know if the thought of putting your picture up on your Amazon page or on your website just terrifies you then there is a, a a slightly softer approach as well which is actually when it comes to your photography when you're getting brand photos done try and get a few of you in the process of designing the product or making it if you're a maker or just packaging it if you know but in some part of doing and therefore it doesn't have to be a complete headshot if you were really uncomfortable with that but those pictures as well are so valuable I mean I've had a candle client and uh the hand poured client uh, 
had poured candles and you know that's something that we communicate uh through the brand and it's part of you know what makes them special uh they're, they're made with really good quality waxes etc etc and the number of times that i have just wished that we had um more making images um to be able to communicate that has you know it's been high so i'd say that that would be a tip as well to take away from this is if you if you haven't had a photo shoot done or you haven't had one done in a while you've changed your hair you look different or it's just your old your photos are a little old now then definitely if you are considering one then definitely get a few behind the scenes type photos because not only can you use them on social media but that they can be connected with your brand story on places like your about page and they really help people like to see people people like to understand who it is that they're buying from um so they're really uh, powerful that way I think you're, you're definitely right. They are really powerful. And I know not everyone likes your idea of using like a corporate headshot. Um, I certainly don't. Um, when I had my grand photos on, I got some, you know, photos of me doing other stuff done for that reason. Um, and also, I guess they can sometimes, in some instances, they can look a bit old fashioned. But as you say, if you can illustrate what you do, for example, I'm mm. working with a company now who makes olive oil. And um, one of the photos they use is a photo of them in their own is it a vineyard in their on their orchard it's a photo of them hand picking basically it's a photo of them out there doing the picking themselves and I think that's really nice because not only does it show you the people because it's a family business it not only shows you the people working in the business but actually shows you them working in the business so they don't need to they say pictures there's a thousand words they don't need to tell you it's a family business and that they can pick everything because they've got a photo of them doing it and I I really I really like that when I went to take a look I was like that's really good because it just says so much like I think if you're a maker having pictures of you making your products would be amazing um absolutely so actually it's funny I feel like perhaps because we're recording this just before Easter we're coming back to Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies constantly but I feel like uh this is something I just I once uh called the Lindor effect to a client because you know that adverts where you know Lindor is a, a prop I'm not even sure how it's produced now but I assume it's uh, uh, mass produced now it's available in all supermarkets uh, very well known but that they keep that narrative that it's made um, in Switzerland by chocolatiers who are wearing chef's hats and ensuring the consistency is just right before they pour it um, and you know actually we love we buy on emotion I mean, I, I booked a restaurant um, for a special occasion and I was sold because, you know, I, I think my stomach even started to rumble when I looked at the pictures of them making pasta because they were putting it through the pasta press. And it was like, yeah, that's better than just showing me, uh, you know, a, an interior with a chandelier and some wine glasses on a table, because now I know that you take your food really seriously because you make the pasta from scratch. So, you know, I'm in. Yeah. And actually what's really interesting is that in that example, I think that seems like it was more powerful than if they showed you a picture of the finished pasta dish on a plate. Yeah, well, I think I think sometimes you want a bit of both to be, yeah. but but yeah, but I I agree. I think there was something about that image that immediately told a story. It immediately told me a story of pasta being made in traditional methods as it always was, you know, as it still is by a lot of nonnas in Italy, and you know, and it it it. it you know, it probably I'm being very naive about this in my urban life, but it brought this whole lovely narrative of caring about ingredients and food and process 
to life in one picture. That makes sense. And I think hopefully, um, because I don't think we've gone off, well, we haven't gone off topic, but we have been sharing lots and lots of examples. But I really hope that this will help sort of spark everyone's creativity and imagination um, and that we've spoken about at least one thing that you can now go away and do or think about. um, Because I think we have hopefully thrown out lots and lots of ideas here. And I think um, something else that I'll add, if you don't mind, Cara, is that it's, it's, I think if you're thinking about you want to do something a bit different in your business, maybe disrupt things slightly, like you said, it's not about copying other people, but just see what other people do. Kind of take notice when you buy things, like what you like and what you don't like about whether it's the ordering process or the emails you get or how the products package or whatever it is. I think it's one of those things where we kind of, we're all busy and it just happens. But I think if you start taking notice of that sort of thing, um, there's a lot you can pick up on. Definitely. And I think if there's anything that comes to mind uh, sooner, then that was an example of a brand that was doing it well because it stood out. Yeah. That's true, actually. I guess you can you can all think back to like the last time that you were like really delighted by something that you brought. And um, I'm sure that hopefully for all of us, there'll be something that comes to mind right yeah, away. Yeah, and I mean, it's a big ask as well to say really delighted. Sometimes it's just the small things. What just made you smile slightly when you were standing in the queue to buy it or when it came through on email? You know, that, I think that's a great thing to aim for. Yeah, I'd be honest, I am easily delighted. I mean, that's I'm a great customer. If, if you could delight people, they're brilliant, but I don't want people to feel like, oh God, what what have I bought in the last that's month true. that absolutely lit me up? Um not everyone yeah, will be as easily impressed as I am. I do understand <laughs> that it doesn't take a lot. We work in the industry, so we have a slightly atypical behavior with these things, and I'm the same. I'm like always, you know, noticing packaging and photographing packaging in shops and, you know, looking like quite a weirdo. But yeah, definitely. The small things, even to the most hardened consumer, they will still register a part of your brand in a way that others aren't. And I guess it, it all ties back to just helping you stand out, stand out, which I guess is what having your brand is about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So that feels like a great place to wrap things up, Cara. But I do have one more question for you, if that's okay. So I think we've covered so much today. And I almost feel like this is a bit about um, enhancing your brand because a lot of businesses might have thought about the visual elements. And I think that it, that can be the thing you think about first. I know that when I worked on my very first brand, it was all about the visuals. That was really all I took into account. And then the other stuff, the values and everything else came later. So what would your number one piece of advice be for someone who perhaps has a brand, but is looking to enhance or build upon what they have so far? Yeah, definitely. So I was thinking about this and I would say it's revisit your about page. So if you have an about page um, or if you don't have an about page, it's time to make one. And if you have your about page, but it's really hidden and it's not on the top now, then let's change that too. We want to make it very easy for people to be able to find out a little bit more about you and your brand. Um, but if you do have an about page, then just revisit it and see, does it cover things such as, you know, your founder story, why your business came to life in the beginning um, and by who, what solution we, you know, were you trying to solve 
when was it and and who was it? Um, and a really nice way, I always love when businesses do this, is include some historic photos along the journey of your business. So if your business is, you know, uh, just started in the last few months, then that might not be as relevant. But if there is some story or even some story from your past, for example, say you had a dress that you adored as a child and you tried to find one similar as an adult and couldn't, so you started designing dresses, then why not include a picture of that lovely dress that sparked it all? Um, if you, if your business name, I have one of my previous clients um, is a florist and um, the business name is Wild Rosamond and uh, the, the client's name is not Rosamond. Uh, she's called Bridget, but actually the story is that her grandmother, Rosamond, loved the garden and was always in the garden and that you know a uh, core memory for Bridget when she was growing up was spending time in the garden with her grandma so you know telling the story of your business name um is is really nice too another brand that does that well is Otto and Ivy um who I just came across actually um through a podcast as well and their name so they make shoes for larger feet and their name Otto is um eight in um in Latin and Ivy because it grows tall so eight representing a large women's shoe size um which is their starting size and Ivy representing you know elegance and tall it, it makes complete sense to me so basically uh, yeah if you can explain how you came about if there is a story behind your your business and your, your brand name then share it if you've got any photos of the pro process then share it and do have your values on there too and make sure that they are underpinned you know make sure that your values feel like things that are authentic to your business and things that you can make um actual commitments in the way you do things that's amazing. Thank you. And Cara, I know you have loads of resources um, that will be really helpful to small businesses. Is there anything you would like us to go and look at first? Um, what would what would you suggest if people want a little bit of support? Yeah, so I am actually working on creating a lot of resources in this area because it's something that I get asked a lot. Um, so I have a website, brandingmadesimple.co.uk, or if you go to caravender.com, it's on the shop tab and there you can find um, templates and tools of things that I have used with one-on-one -on -one clients um, and I'm working on one at the moment which is going to help you work out your values um, and I, I'm really pleased with it actually because um, <laughs> not to sound smug but it's something that I think I worked on my values I reassessed them uh, uh, about a year and a half ago when I rebranded and it was a really useful exercise for me to do and um, it actually gave me a lot of clarity in how what content I should be putting out and the and the way I, some certain business decision so I think it's really good and I'm I'm all for basically helping businesses create values that feel true to them rather than just platitudes that they feel that they must have and then that immediately communicates a lot of your brand personality and cares as well so um, yeah I'd say that that would be a great one to start with. Amazing and they're available on your shop? Yeah they are on my shop on my website so uh, it's brandingmadesimple.co.uk um, or on the shop tab of my main website um, I believe you, we could put the links in the uh, show notes Oh, we will definitely put in yes, the links brilliant <laughs> and um, I have an offer as well so for um, 
I love this podcast. I think it's a fantastic resource and I love listening to it personally. So for all listeners, I've got an anytime offer of 20% off on all of the templates with the code Vicky20 as well. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so kind of you, Cara. So that's Vicky with an I, everyone, if you want to use that offer. But we will also put the details in the show notes. And of course, if you have any questions about the code or anything else, then do feel free to reach out as well. Brilliant. And thank you so much for being here again, Cara. Thank you so much. It's been it's been wonderful to have a lovely conversation with you about this, something I'm very passionate about. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening right to the end of this episode. Do remember that you can get the full back catalogue and lots of free resources on my website, vickyweinberg.com. Please do remember to rate and review this episode if you've enjoyed it and also share it with a friend who you think might find it useful. Thank you again and see you next week. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.